Welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. I have this great idea that I'm not going to tell you exactly what it, what I'm going to do yet because it'll kind of take the fun out of it. But what I'm looking for is either a picture of you, a picture of you with your students, a picture of you in your classroom, and a description of where you teach, but you don't have to be super specific if you don't want to give your like school away. But like if you are in Boston or Virginia or Ireland or Belgium, like saying where you are and what you teach. I'm doing a teacher appreciation video this week, and I want to include all of you. If you don't want to say yourself, totally cool. Would you mind shouting out maybe someone that you really care about, a teacher that you think is really doing great. Maybe you had a student teacher this year. Maybe you know someone that's in college that's a future educator. Like, I just need a picture, or you could do like a three to five second video, which is sounds very short, but it's a pretty long time. And like, it could be them with students, without students, just their picture in front of their school, whatever you want. Send that to me in my email, which is realwrapwiththereynolds. Um, can we comment that on the bottom there? Uh, real rap with the Reynolds at gmail.com. Just email it to me. I put it out on Instagram today and I've already gotten a whole bunch of emails, which I'm super stoked because I want to do this thing that shouts some of you out, right? That, you know, we're all doing this. I just am the only one that's ridiculous enough to start a YouTube channel about, well, I'm not the only one. There's a lot of other folks yeah. doing the same thing, but you get what I'm, what I'm talking about. Um, but it doesn't mean that people on YouTube are any better than everyone else probably many of you are far better teachers than any of us on YouTube. So that is not a diss to all my homies on YouTube, but I have this great idea. I really want to do it this week. So I need those pictures by um, the end of the day, like midnight, we'll say on Wednesday, the ninth. So this coming Wednesday, which is a short turnaround, let's really just take a picture and then shoof, shoof it off. I don't know how you shoof anything, but you like shoof it off to me. It's not a real word but I just invented it. So you could just send that to me and it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Um, and you get to be on YouTube for a minute, like cool. Um, and then next Saturday, there's another, so this is teacher appreciation week. I think this is just a, I don't know if this is just an American thing, right? Like we love naming days for all kinds of stuff, but like it's teacher appreciation week slash day this week. So on Sunday next week, some of your favorite teacher YouTubers are doing a collaboration like we did at Christmas where we all kind of picked a name out of a hat. I got someone that I really liked and then I bought them gifts and I sent them to them. And then I just did my video today where um, a very good friend of mine sent me stuff and it, I got, I got super cool, like super cool stuff that I was really stoked about. I'm a high school teacher. We don't get anything for teacher appreciation day. No one brings any anything except for, sass attitude and then i have to deal with that so it's uh so i'm looking forward to that so that will come out that video will come out this sunday at 8 a.m eastern time 5 a.m california time for people that i don't know your kid got up and needed a bottle or pooped in the i don't know who the hell's up at five in the morning but um yeah on a saturday you know colby sharp is he's probably taking a run at that point but um you got anything yeah Cool. So let's uh, let's jump into it. Um, I'm really glad to see everyone, Indy Kitty. Um, a virtual hug to you, also. I don't know what that looks like, but 
Um, <laughs> I, I very rarely make my wife laugh anymore, but because she says I've been telling the same jokes for the last 20 something years. Um, all right, here we go. Question. Oh, snap. I just made it go away. It's right here. Uh, Carla is asking, Carla's in Mexico, by the way. How do you deal with the fear of trying activities with large groups? My fear. Oh, man. What is that? My fear. How do I deal with my fear? Yeah, but I have a big group of rowdy students. Um, let's talk about this. Is, I have a video coming out tonight, and I'm going to talk a little bit about this in there. The short of it is I had a... Uh, not, I had a street artist from Chicago come in this week. And if you look him up on Instagram, it's Storm City Prince, right? Um, and he paints like manhole covers. So like that hole in the middle of the street, they put that giant iron circle over it. He paints part of them and then he puts canvases down on top of it or he puts like a tote bag or a t-shirt and he makes prints out of it. And so I DM'd him and he agreed to come to my school and he got his flight time mixed up, which meant that he was supposed to come like two hours earlier, which would have landed him here in my school during a very, very good class that I had already set up. I picked the kids. It was going to be great. When he flipped the time, it ended up being during my craziest class of the day, which has about 28 to 30 students in it. Then on that same day, I had a local middle school with a dozen of their students come in. So it's 20, I'm bad at math, but keep go with me here. 28 kids from my class, 12 kids from their school, three teachers from their school, my co-teacher, two girls from the local college that came in to observe my class for the day. And then all of the students that usually eat lunch in my room. It, it was beyond packed in there. It was crazy town. And the way that I handle that is I, tell the students ahead of time that I am, I want to try something crazy. And I don't tell them that through the bad class or that I have to worry about them or anything like that. I want to try something crazy. And I think you guys are the best group to do this with, but I'm only going to be able to do it if we're cool. If we're not cool, I'll just skip it. I'll do it with another class and I'll shut it down in the middle. And that's what you do. That's the experiment. And this is the best time of year, I think, to do it. Because even if it goes completely wrong, you at least... Like it's close enough to the end of the year. I, I assume Mexico is on the same sort of schedule as us. I'm not really sure, but like you are close enough to the end of the year that like if it completely fails, you can just chalk it and just wait out the rest of the year if that class was bad, right? You don't have to live through too much of the after parts of that. And, you know, the only way you're ever going to figure out if stuff works is just to try it. I say do it the best that you can tell those kids you trust them, tell them that you pick them specifically. And I'm not real big online. Like I, it's actually like one of my biggest pet peeves about in, of anything in the world. But in this situation, I think telling the kids that can put them in the right frame of mind to like really want to do it and to think like, Oh, we're being trusted. It's for us. That's why we're doing it. That's what I ended up doing with my class. And it really worked to my benefit. We had a great day. The kids listened really well. Um, and it was, it was fun. So I'd say, go ahead and try it. And then if you wouldn't mind, could you, Carla, could you email me afterwards? I'd just love to know like how that turned out. Like, did it work? Did it not work? And, um, and if I can, I can help you from there. What do you got for me? Uh, Joanne is asking, have you ever had to teach without a classroom? 
I learned that next year I will be floating due to overcrowding. This will be my first year back uh, after being a stay-at-home mom. Well, first of all, congratulations. That's awesome. Uh, you know, I think being a parent, you start realizing that stay-at-home parents are like, it's a hard job. And my wife works very late, so I'm a not-so-single dad most of the time. Come on, she's smirking. Don't smirk at me. She's smiling. I've seen him for eight years, saying, thank you. She's saying, I'm right and I'm amazing for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I have not been without a classroom, but there have been times that for whatever reason, during one of my classes, they will put me in someone else's classroom and have somebody else teach in my room, which makes zero sense to me because all my stuff is in there. Um, I have thought that before I would like be one of those cart teachers that like you walk around with a cart and you look like a flight attendant and you have all your stuff on there. I, so I see all the limits of that. I think if I had to do it, I would just make it like the most awesome thing ever. Like part of me wants sort of like someone to kind of throw a limitation at me like that, because I would want to make the greatest cart that ever existed it would like play music and have lights on it and it would have like secret compartments and I would just totally customize it and make it super fun. And if you don't have a desk, like a, like a designated classroom, like maybe your class could like one day a week you meet in, I don't know, the lunchroom or the library or outside, or you have like a kind of like a swing day where like, yeah, we're on the road. We have like, we have no place to call home. We're going to make the best of every single situation that we can be in. And maybe, if you are in a classroom and, and you can get away with this, asking for like a corner or a nook or somewhere where you can like keep your stuff, you can be set up, you can decorate it the way that you want. Stuff like that, I think, could be kind of fun where like, I can't have my own classroom, but I got a wall, right? Especially if you have one of these classrooms where like, I know sometimes I'll cover for other teachers and their classroom is like the most depressing place I've ever been ever. It's like a poster hanging off the wall with one tack in it. And I think, you know, if you get a sad room like that, maybe they'll let you like bring it to life a little bit and make it your own and like have a little space in there so you can keep your stuff. So uh, I wouldn't sweat it. I would make the absolute best out of it and like be like, you know what? This is going to be awesome. And what a great lesson for your students to see like you're going to make something out of nothing and you're going to make it like the most amazing thing you could. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, That's the initial. Mother of Watt and Tessa. I don't know what your real name is, but congratulations on Watt and Tessa. Um, question. Do you require all capital letters of your students to read aloud at some point or is it their choice? Nope. Because I hate reading aloud. I think it sucks. And I can read. Like I said in the beginning of this, I, I think I... I think I really have, like, I, I don't want to be like all, uh, you know, like when you think something's wrong with you, and you look it up online and go to WebMD and it tells you you probably have brain cancer or lupus. Like, I don't know why those are the two things you always tell you, but um, I think through my own kind of discovery, I have a level of dyslexia. And so reading aloud for me is, is not easy. And so I can read perfectly well, quietly to myself, but I just find that a lot of kids deal with that. It's just not fun. Um, I like to hear everyone read once because sometimes, and the reason for that is sometimes you'll find out you have a great reader 
And if someone reads great, guess what, bro? You're reading aloud because we need it because everyone knows you always have that one kid that struggles a little bit that always wants to read aloud and they want to read the longest part. And it's like, no, I need to give you something that you're actually, you're going to succeed in because every single time that happens, someone's going to end up dogging them or correcting them too much or laughing at them. And then it just goes south. So you want to put kids in positions where they can excel and be excited. So, um, so why would I, what I would do is maybe check on everyone once and give them a small part to see if they can read aloud. If they really, really struggle, do not make them do it. Or you can give them like they read directions aloud when you're reading class, they'll read something so that they are participating. But I know, I don't, I don't think that that's um, helpful for students because some kids are just going to struggle. Even if they read well, anyway, it just might be hard for them to read aloud in a group. Uh, Rachel S. Hi, Rachel. Um, Rachel, where are you from? That's an interesting last name. Is that German? Uh, how to help slash handle disrespectful students. Bam. I got a whole, it depends on the kid, depends on the situation, but here's my go-to for disrespectful students. This year, my freshman class, I had a, a period, my freshman class this year, which are ninth graders, that were the worst kids as a group that I've ever taught. And what I mean by that is, I don't think innately they were bad. It goes the fire truck. God bless everyone. Uh, I don't think that there were bad children at heart. I think that sometimes the wrong grouping of kids in a room just makes it a total disaster. And so that has since changed since being either because I've got to put a lot of work in, but here's, here's what I do with that. One, I don't back down from anyone. And I think that is like something a lot of teachers would benefit from is like, if someone mean mugs you, if a kid looks super tough and like, they're going to cut you if you look at them, guess what? Go ahead, bro. Cause I'm not backing down. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you because I really care that much about you that I want you to do well. And I'm not going to be like dissed in front of my class because then that just, for better or for worse, just makes me look weak. And I, I can't have that in class. Like I need to have the respect of the students. So I, this is what I do. If someone acts up, I usually say, Hey, do me a favor. Can you just like step in the hallway for a moment? You're not in trouble or anything. I just, I just need to speak with you real quick about something else. And then when you have that, when you have that audience removed and you can talk to a kid one-on-one, -on -one, my go-to is always, I ask them if I did something wrong. So that might look like, step in the hallway and I say, hey, I wanted to ask you real quick. I see what we're doing in class. I see you acting this way. And I'm wondering if there's anything that I did that kind of like set you off or pissed you off and like is making you act like this. And sometimes you will get a kid that says, yeah, you called on me and I didn't want to, or you skipped me when we were taking turns or you didn't answer my question. And you can at that point apologize, say, you know, I think that you're really important. I'm glad that you're in my class. I'm going to try to like, I'm glad we had this conversation because it's going to help me to not overlook you again. And then a, a lot of other times you'll have kids that say, no, you didn't do anything like, or they don't realize what they were doing was upsetting to you. And without like, they're not going to lose face because there's no one there. Um, and then you go back in the classroom and that works a lot. Short of that, I do, you know, I do very, very few phone calls home, but I will speak to like, um, if I, if I can't communicate with the student, I'll find someone that can, whether that's, 
you know, the principal or a vice principal or a teacher that they get along with or someone, maybe an older student, like if it's a freshman, maybe there's a senior that kind of looks out for them or that's their cousin or their brother. And I'll pull them in. And that sometimes can help you like kind of break through that sort of nonsense um, and, and get to where you're going. But just don't give up. Whatever you do, keep working on it. And some kids, you won't win. Some dudes at the end of the year, you just got to throw your hands up and you're like, dude, I tried everything, but you're still like, there's stuff going on in your life that I can't remedy. And other kids, you'd be really, really surprised who like you wanted to strangle at the beginning of the year and who you're hugging at the end of the year. And, and that is great. Uh, Ella Jane, what's up, Ella? Looking for a good teacher book to read over the summer. Anyone have any suggestions? Well, oh, I shouldn't show that yet, I guess, because that came in part of my collab. I would say... My my favorite books of all time, I, mean, I say the same dudes all the time, are Rafe Esquith, anything by that guy, um, or anything by Father Gregory Boyle, who I use all the time as well. And then what else? I'm trying to think of anything else that stands out to me as like a good teacher book. I, yeah, but I used to read a lot. So I don't read a lot of like teacher books anymore because I find that over time, they kind of say the same thing. Um, but I will say an interesting book to me this year was there's a book, I think, actually, my computer is resting on it right now. Uh, is that the one? I think that's what it's called. Yes. Um, Tim Ferriss's new book, Tribe of Mentors, which is a book that essentially takes all of these folks that this, this writer, Tim Ferriss, has interviewed on his podcast and it whittles down like their best performances. And the reason I like it is because it gives you a lot of ideas on like, not just teaching stuff, because sometimes it's not the content, it's the attitude that comes along with it. And if you are feeling more energetic, more compelled, more excited, more like uh, kind of, I guess, peaceful, like about your own life, it can help you to teach way better. Like I just remember my sixth grade teacher, Miss McGovern, Every day we would line up and I never told this story before. We would line up in lines in front of the school. And we had, as soon as she came out, we had to like be single file and shut up, not allowed to talk. And we always knew it was going to be a bad day because she would either have her lipstick would like come off of her lip a little bit, like, like she put it on real angrily. And, or she would have like her eyeliner would kind of be askew or something like that. And you knew, I remember telling my friends, I remember telling my friend Larry that would be in front of me in line, like, dude, it's going to be a bad day to look at her lipstick. And when you show up to school and you have your own form of that, like maybe your students know, it's really hard to teach and to be the kind of best version of yourself. And so I think that level of self-care that this book, Tribe of Mentors, talks about was really helpful to me this year and helped me think about my diet and how early I got up and what the first 30 minutes of my day looked like. And did I pray or meditate or exercise or get sunshine in the morning or take a walk or whatever it was. Um, I think those sorts of ideas really, really help. Uh, is this my next one? Mm -hmm. Oh, shoot. I'm trying to adjust the brightness. I couldn't see because I'm old. Um, XOXO Fox 232. I tried to read that real fast because I, I felt like I was in the army. Um, do you think that student teaching prepared you for actual teaching? Yes. Um, 
But I think that depends on your mentor teacher. I taught in, I'm going to shout this dude out. I taught in Winslow Township, New Jersey at Winslow Township High School. And my cooperating teacher was Nick Zakaria, who was at that point, maybe even still the greatest person I've ever seen in the classroom. His classroom was amazing. His classroom management was ridiculous. And he was like, an old white guy with like his hair was kind of plastered to the side. He wore a suit every single, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but like, it was like very, he was very neat. His, he was very, very neat. Um, he wore a suit to school every single day. He shook hands at the door every single day for every single kid that came in and looked them in the eye and said, hello. So much of what I do in the classroom now comes from Nick. And he was, just the man and he you know i think i was a week a week and a half into being a student teacher and i had two classes of my own and then by the end of maybe two three weeks i was teaching five classes a day i was a part of the drama team i was helping with sat stuff i was helping with the av club like there's all this other stuff i was involved in and he just kind of like threw you in there, but then he would observe me every day. And then every day when he would take cigarette breaks, we would go outside and he would have written all these notes for me, like um, that, I, that I still have in my basement that were like, like, all right, you did this today. This was good. This was good. This was good. These are three things I need you to work on for the next class when you go back inside. And then we would just keep doing that. And I just feel like it helped a lot. So it really depends on who you're with. And if you kind of get stuck with someone that sucks, I mean, I think one of the things you can do is somebody always has something good to offer. So whether it's they're super organized, but they're not super nice or they're super strict and they have their classroom like under control, but there's no level of fun or silliness. You can find something good. And if nothing else, you can find ways that you do not want to be a teacher. Like what is this person doing that I don't like that I wish, um, that I will absolutely change when I'm in the classroom. So yeah, Mr. Z, you're the man. And that was, that was an amazing situation for me. Uh, the Scottish revert teacher um, is asking a few tips on keeping up with quality teaching when your hours are insane. I teach minimum eight hours, max 10 and a half hours. Plus I'm doing a master's degree and I have a big family. I'm exhausted. I get it. Um, what you should do is go on a ketogenic diet where you have no sugar or carbohydrates and your energy is depleted for like three weeks. Cause that was like having a newborn again. And it finally kind of just rebounded last week. But I think, you know, my old Scottish friend, I would say finding like, first of all, having a, a plan for what your day is going to look like helps, right? There is... I'm going to forget it. Some old like Chinese proverb that says something to the effect of like, you know, if you're, if you don't plan out your day, like it's just, it could kind of, it's going to end up being madness. And so like being mindful of, of what you're doing that day, instead of letting your day kind of like, like yank you around wherever it wants to. And then you can, you can get that stuff done. I also use uh, something called the five minute journal, which I also found from Tim Ferriss. And I have a number of them in my classroom that my students use. And sometimes I give them away to students when they need them. And the five minute journal is essentially, it helps you to focus on like things that you're grateful for so that you're starting your day with a grateful mindset. 
And then you're writing down like three action items that you want to get done that day. And even if nothing else gets done, but you get those three things done, you kind of feel this sense of like, I could check three things off today. And then, it, and then it takes you no more than five minutes. It's a really, really great idea. And then I make sure that when I do have downtime, I have to remind myself. So very early in my teaching career, my wife would often tell me like, we never have any time together. We're never together. We don't hang out together. And I had to start kind of like reminding her, like if we were at a movie or we went to dinner or we were sitting alone for a moment, I would say, we need to note this time, right? Like not in a condescending way or being passive aggressive, but like, let's make sure we're noting that we're having time right now. And for me, that, that makes that time that much more intentional and precious and, and you can feel like that. So whether that's on your lunch break or when you're driving into school and maybe you're by yourself or it's a free period or a rare quiet moment where like the kids are at an assembly and you get to be in your room, like cherishing those moments and noticing them when they come up and not for like what you want them to be. Like, like, so not just, I, it's it's easy for me to kind of like complain that like I don't have free time at night, but it's like, well, I did get these couple moments during the day. And for right now, you know, just cherishing that and then knowing it will pass, like things will even out and, you know, you can help somebody else with that one day as well. Uh, Kimberly Wallback is saying, I'm teach I'm a teaching assistant. Do you think it's necessary to give any of the teachers that I am with during the end of the I'm sorry, I told you I'm bad at reading out loud. Teacher that I am during with the day end of year gifts. Um, that's a good question. Well, if you were a teaching assistant in my school with me, I would say yes, absolutely give me <laughs> gifts at the end of the year. But um, so here's what I would do. It really I, depends on the community. Yeah. Like, does everybody do that? No, I, no, I don't think it. So my wife's saying she thinks it depends on the community of school. And I say, don't go with what the community or school is doing. Like, do your own thing. Um, right? Would you agree with that? Yeah. I, don't want to, I, felt, I didn't want to feel like no, I was slapping fine. your opinion down. But I think one of the best gifts that you can give, because you like, especially because that can be expensive, is to write letters to people. I love, love, love writing letters to people. And even a bigger kind of step from that, one of the things I do for Teacher Appreciation Day every year is, and I got this from my friend at work, Hillary, who, who does this, and I just stole it because she could only do so many people, is maybe have kids write a real quick note to another teacher. So I'll print out like a template and I'll say, you know, maybe your letter could look like, hey, this is what this meant to me. Thanks so much for the year, whatever. You know, you know what you would write. And then with that, attach like, I know this is a pretty thankless job, but like maybe, but I, you know, some of the kids, this is what they think of you. And then give them like those encouraging notes from other students really is a great gift instead of like just buying like a Starbucks gift card or, you know, something like that. Uh, I think that's a really fun gift. Or another thing that I've done in the past is whenever we have a speaker come in that I get a picture with them, I will try to print out a picture of them with the students or me with the students, and then we frame it. And then around the mat on the side, the kids will just write a real quick note, like, hey, thanks so much for coming in the class. Thanks so much for all you do. Hey, that time you gave me a dollar earlier in the year or a ride home or you stayed late or you tutored me, that can really mean a lot. And I think that that is, in a job that's so thankless, it's just nice to be thanked sometimes. 
Terry Cox is asking, any advice for a woman starting her first job next school year? 10th grade language arts at a charter school in CT, Connecticut. I'm super excited. I'm 36, so I'm no spring chicken. Um, so where does that come from? Where does spring chicken come from? Can Someone's going to tell you now. Someone, could someone tell me where that comes from? Because <laughs> I'm just interested. Because um, I'm going to assume that Terry is not a chicken. Um, and so, yeah. So anyway, I don't know. I'm being ridiculous. But Terry, I would say, first of all, starting teaching at 36 could be even more awesome than starting at 22 because you have life experience. You don't have to just like, you're not gonna like pontificate about like what it's like out there in the world if you don't get an education, right? And I'm not trying to diss anyone that's young, but there is a level of experience that people have when they are older. Like I, I didn't start teaching till I was 27 and I had several different jobs, several really difficult jobs, some good jobs. I, I've gone places, I've done things, I, you know, and that, just makes teaching that much more fun. Like, because you have stuff, you, you have experiences you can draw on. Um, and, and the other thing is like, I would say just be yourself. That is the hardest thing to do. I think when you start teaching, you want to be a lot of times, not saying you, but like a lot of us want to be who we think we're supposed to be, or because we see like, like the vibe of the school leans towards very strict. I don't, I could literally at this point in my career, and I've only, I've only been teaching for like 13 years. So it's not even been that long, but I would never, ever, ever start at any school from now on and not be myself. Like my classroom is going to look like the way I want it to look like. I'm going to wear robot arms on my arms. I'm going to blow bubbles in the, in the hallway. I'm going to, high five people. I'm going to do weird stuff. And my, like, sometimes my, like the repercussions for doing things in my class are kind of odd, right? Like my detentions are, are sometimes very, very weird. But, um, and I, and I mean that by like, so, so one of the things I'll do is like, uh, this is off topic, but I'm going to tell you anyway, I will draw a circle on the board with Expo marker. I then color it in. And then I give a student 10 minutes to take a rubber band and flick that until all the marker is gone. And if it's not, then you have to stay for another detention. But if you get out of it, you're done in 10 minutes and you're golden. So I think um, like having that personality, it's going to make you more comfortable. It's going to make you feel like you're not faking it. It's going to make you feel like you are more excited to show up for the day because you can like pull things in that, that you want to do. The other thing I would do is, Find out immediately what your students are interested in and then become interested in them, even if it's just as a study so that you can use some of that. So go see, I would go see several movies this summer that you know all your students are going to see. So like the Han Solo movie or the Avengers movie that just came out, or I'm not sure what else is coming out this summer, but like anything you think is like a blockbuster, like the Jurassic Park movie, and then let that inform your teaching whatever new album comes out this, this summer. So the new J. Cole album just dropped here and my students are all listening to that. So you have to listen to those things because not, not because you want to be cool, but because you want to be relevant. It's all about culturally relevant teaching and wh who your kids are is going to be different. So like if you're teaching in 
West Philly, it's going to be a lot different than if you're teaching in like the burbs in New Jersey or something like that. But if I, I don't know, I just think like if I lived in a town where all the kids like monster trucks, guess what? I'm going to get real informed about monster trucks. Do I have any interest in that at all? Nope, this much. But if they were all into like rodeos or hunting or farming or, you know, rap music, like I'm going to find those interests and then like really learn them and let the kids know, like, I'm not trying to be down. I'm just trying to be like, talk to you in a way and about stuff that I think you're interested in. So I'm doing this for you. Uh, my good friend, Tracy Pinter. What am I saying? Oh, my wife is reminding me. I like that. You know, my line um, teaching is a craft and it takes time to get good. So if you're not good right away, do not sweat it. It just takes time. It's like anything else. No one sits down at a piano and after a year you go, that's it. Done. Sucks. And the worst, not playing piano anymore. Now, some people shouldn't. I know people that have no sense of that, uh, of being able to play piano or rhythm or melody. And they probably shouldn't play piano because it just hurts everyone's feelings and makes them feel bad. But, you know, if you teach and you take just the time to get better, you will get better. Tracy Pinter uh, is asking, teaching is like no other job, especially in the inner city. Any tips on balancing family as a single parent with the demands of the job and balancing a second job? Um, geez, Trace, that is tough. I would say, geez, what's my answer? What's something that, I'm trying to think of something on, like a way that we've, kind of try to deal with that. So I don't have, I'm not single, although I joke that I'm a, I'm a not so single parent, um, just because my wife works late and I have like a lot of family responsibilities when I come home. And that didn't used to be the case. My wife stayed home for years as a stay at home mom. And I was living the dream and I didn't even know it. Like my breakfast, lunch, and dinner were all made for me every day. And I didn't have to iron any of my clothes and wash any of my clothes. It just kind of like worked. It's like, leave the beaver. Uh, and so, but, you know, we don't have, I mean, with both of my parents have passed away, my wife's mom like lives all the way in New Mexico. So we don't have a lot of family help. We don't have babysitters. It's very hard to go out. So I hear some of that. I think, um, not being afraid. One of the things I, this might seem real, real easy is like one making sure you have enough sleep, right? Like going to bed on time and waking up on time. We, I just got blackout curtains for my room, for Ikea for like not that much money. And they have changed my life. Um, and because it makes it really dark and you turns out all the studies I read, you sleep way, way better when it's absolutely dark in your, in your room. I think two is practicing being grateful for things. Right. And I just said this in, in that other comment, but I just think that I think in so much of our life, we are what we think about all day. And so if you're walking around thinking about the bills or the mortgage, which is a bill, but, um, or the fact that your, your car is going to die or the fact that you're, it's a lot or that you're alone or that you're single or that this is so much on you, that may all be true. But if you can train yourself to kind of like spend a concerted amount of time or like a, a very focused amount of time every day to just be thankful, I know that in my life, that sets me up for such a better day. And, you know, what you're doing is like, you're getting yourself ready so that like the armor's on and that if, when bad things happen, like you're, you're ready for it. 
I think also overstressing yourself. We've talked about this before with like exercise and diet and like making yourself stressed on purpose makes those other stresses not that bad, right? You're like kind of re- you're readying yourself up for the game. And I think that that helps as well. And then I think not being afraid to ask for help. Like if you have a friend or if you have a former student or if you have someone around you, anyone that like you can say, hey, can you take my kids for a night? Like I just want to go out and get a drink. I just want to like go food shopping by myself. I just want to go to Old Navy and try on some clothes and not worry about the kids that are like putting on hats and getting lice. I'm not saying that ever happened in our lives. But True story. Don't try on hats at Old Navy because sometimes they have lice in them. Um, it's making me scratch my head now. Um, but buying, having that like time um, and the best, one of the ways we found that work, that works for us is to plan it out, to plan out. Like we, we plan out date nights every so often where it's like, all right, dude, we really need one. Let's like in two weeks or in a week, like on this Friday, let's get a babysitter. Let's go out let's and that, yeah, let's literally beg. We're going to crop like sniffle on the phone, but that helps also. Um, let's go. Shana Caldwell is saying, I recently completed a two year student teaching. Wait, two years of student teaching. Oh, that's a lot. Where, Shana or Shana, where are you from? I'm just, that's really interesting. I was offered a, a short term contract as the year advisor. However, when the contract came, it wasn't offered the job for the next year. Um, so is your question, what do you do now? Like, I, I think te- teaching is one of those things that just makes, like jobs just make no sense sometimes, right? Like you think you did a great job and then you don't get asked back. Or it's like, maybe they thought you sucked all year, but no one said anything to you. So you didn't really have a chance to like, fix it or get better or, or change what you were doing. And that's just such a disservice because, you know, and I think that happens because too many administrators, too many people in the world just have a real hard time having hard conversations. I think one of the things I would do is go in and ask like, Hey, if you don't want to hire me back, like you can't go at it like on the defense, but if you go on the offense and have a conversation that sounds like, Hey, you're not having me back next year. And that's your own thing but what are some things you can give me to work on? Like, I'd like to, I still want to get it. I still want to teach. I still think I can do better. What would you say are like some things that I can work on um, in the future so I can, I can be better at my craft. And I think that's it. And then listen, sometimes schools are just not a good fit. Even if you liked it, I mean, maybe you, you did, maybe you didn't, but not all schools are the right fit for everyone. And there are people that I know from my current school now that have been let go over the years. And they're just, sometimes people get let go. And I'm like, man, I really hope they don't think they're a bad teacher. Like they have, they have the gift. Like I can, I can tell. And I want them to know that they can really, really do it. But this school just might not be the best fit. And so I think maybe one of my best examples of online teachers anyway is, uh, pocket full of primary where like up until last year, she was teaching at a school that she was really sweating. She was struggling a lot there. She was stressing out a lot about it. And what's that? She was there at title one. Yeah. Like at a, at a title one school. And then she changed and went to a different school that like seems to be anyway, this year, like a much better fit for her. So sometimes 
it's, you know, you might be a great athlete, but you're playing the wrong sport or you're in the wrong position or you're on the wrong team. And then you'll find that if you go to that next school, maybe you'll like hit it off. Maybe you'll have great people to work with. Maybe you'll have a great classroom. You'll meet like the right kids. You know, it might just fit. So maybe you're, you're a piece that just doesn't fit into that puzzle, but it doesn't mean that your puzzle's not out there. Um, that was Yoda. That was Yoda kind of line there at the end. Um, Uba, U-B-A-H, Uba, Uba. Um, I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong, but what do you think about teaching for all or yeah. oh, teach for all or teach for America for teacher training? Oh, well, this is a conversation. Fix myself. Um, and, and that's not in a bad way. I think Teach for America, in theory, is a wonderful idea. Go somewhere that needs teachers and teach. I think the way that it's marketed is terrible. And what I mean by that is I feel like a lot of, and, and I might be wrong. And if I am, like, leave a comment and we can have a conversation about it. I, I, I worked for Teach for America for a while. I wasn't, I didn't do Teach for America, but I worked as one of their, like, uh, they kind of need, like, a mentor teacher to be in the classroom. You watch this, the teachers teach every day, then you give them feedback. And I felt like, and what I heard from a lot of folks was that they were kind of, they were sold this idea that there are small brown people somewhere waiting, like they were praying at night for a good teacher to show up. And that when that teacher showed up, it would be like a ray of light broke through the clouds and shone upon their classroom and they would crush it. And that's just not the case. Like kids don't care if you care. They don't, they don't always care if you want to teach them or how excited you are. Like you have to earn that respect. You have to earn that relationship. Sometimes some kids are way easier. Some kids you go to a school and you have a friend by the end of the day, or you have a kid that will like is ride or die by the end of the week. But a lot of times it takes a little bit longer than that. And I think teach for America also kind of pushes this model where it's like, we're going to tell you how to handle everything. And this is the way that it works. And this is the way that you have to do it. And I don't think that's true all the time. I've seen a number of people get reprimanded for stuff that they did that I didn't think was worth reprimanding. I think it was the right move where they like got, they just got pushed back, pushed back for it. because some people fit into that model really, really well. And they, and they do well. And some people don't. The other thing I don't like is that it's a two year service kind of agreement. And I think that when you're teaching in a title one school, the thing that kids need the most is consistency for you to show up every day, every week, every year, on and on and on and on until whenever, until you die, I guess, or something. But, um, you know, when you're teaching kids that don't have consistency at home, they really relish it in your classroom. And you'll see this when you start teaching, like, if you forget to write the date on the board, or if you forget, like, like you're not at the door to shake their hand. They're like, what, what's happening? Sir, you're not at the door. I don't know who's hand to shake. What do I do? It's like, it doesn't compute. And so I think that that kind of stuff does a disservice to the kids. Now, I do know a ton, literally a ton of people that have done TFA that have gone on to be some of my favorite teachers I've ever seen. My friend Randy Rebuy, my friend Cho at work, my friend Min at work, like they all did TFA and they're just awesome. So, but I think they were going to be awesome anyway. So if you're looking for a quick way into the education world, like 
take it with a grain of salt. You can do this is my opinion. You know, you don't have to listen to it, but like take it with a grain of salt. And it's a quick way in, but um, just be mindful of like of that. If it doesn't fit who you are, still hold on to who you are and do not give it up. Um, no matter what anyone says, there's it's kind of like Reese's, right? There's no wrong way to eat a Reese's. Like there's so many different ways to do classroom management, to do organization, to do fun lessons, to, to be who you are in the classroom and not who they want you to be. Uh, Ella Jane is oh, asked. This is your, um, your spring chicken. Oh, here. here we go. Thanks, Ella Jane. Here's a quick lesson on spring chickens. The origin actually comes from its literal meaning. In the early 1700s, farmers found that chickens born in spring brought better prices than old, old ones that had gone through the winter. Magical. Thanks, Ella Jane. I'm going to tell all my students that tomorrow. Um, <laughs> listen, I'm going to take like a real quick caveat here when I have like about 10 minutes left. If you're just watching now, here's my cool experiment that I'm doing, and I'm going to say it as fast as I can, like I'm at the end of a car commercial because I don't speak fast enough already. I'm doing a really fun teacher appreciation video. I'm not going to tell you everything I'm going to do yet because I don't want it to ruin it because I want it to be fun when it comes out. But this is what I need from you, from all of you, every single one of you. Yes, you, that one that's going, is he talking to me right now? Yep. Listen to what I'm saying real quick. Um, and I say that in a nice way. I want, I would love if you could send me either a picture or a brief video, three to five seconds is, is good of you or you with your students or you in front of your school or you in your classroom. And then uh, also supply like who you are and where you teach. You don't have to leave your full name if you don't want to. You don't have to tell the exact school that you teach in if you want, if you don't want to. But like, are you from New Zealand or you're from England or you're from Thailand or from Boston, wherever you're from, I want to do a teacher appreciation video that spotlight that spotlights you all. Um, and I'm going to put it on my channel. Your picture or your video will be on my channel. Um, and this is like my my idea for like one of the two teacher appreciation videos I have coming up. Teaching is a very, very thankless job. Um, and I've been blessed to have people that follow me on social media. And I would just like to shine some of that light on you all and make it about you. Uh, because I just think that what we're doing is awesome. What we're doing is like one of the most important jobs that someone could do is to care and teach for young people is like, it, it's just, I mean, I think it all starts there, right? Like it's, it's, it all starts there. We are that important and you are that important. And I'd love to be able to shine the spotlight on you. If you're not stoked about shining that spotlight on yourself, which I'm doing it anyway. So it's not like a narcissistic thing for you. If you know someone, a student teacher, a your a future educator, someone that's in college, someone that's in high school that knows they want to teach in the future. If you could send me their information, I would love to spotlight them as well, or the both of you or your school or your department or your whatever it is. Um, if you could send those to me in an email at realwrapwiththereynolds at gmail.com. I'm going to leave that in the comments below so you can see it. Or it's already, it's always in the comments below, but um just shoot me that email by this Wednesday, May 9th, um, by the end of the day. And if you get to me on Thursday, it's cool. But like, uh, that would be awesome. And I, that's something I want to do for you. So uh, let's hook it up. So how can you make, the next question is, how can you make teaching culturally relevant for science? Ooh, 
That's an interesting question. I think I would, it would depend on where you teach, right? So when I taught in Camden, uh, Camden, New Jersey, which is, for those of you that don't know, it's like voted, like voted by whoever the heck votes these things. It is one of the most dangerous cities in the United States per capita, right? And so it often has like the, the highest murder rate per capita in the United States. Um, so the, a science teacher that I used to teach with, this guy, Mr. Manskoff, who was one of my favorite teachers ever. Manskoff used to teach about, he taught environmental science, but he would teach it through the lens of being in Camden. Um, so they, he would talk about like, um, this was, he kind of ruined this for the kids, but like, and for me. In the morning, we'd be out in the back of the school at our trailers, and the sky would be like pink and orange and blue. It was like magnificent looking. And sometimes I would get the kids to just kind of like breathe the moment in and like look at the sky and like taking it in like we're hippies in a field of flowers somewhere. And then Manskopf would yell over, you know, uh, it's not naturally like that. It's because of all the chemicals in the air because of like, um, what did he call it? I forget what his word was. It was like... Um, I, I forget what the, what the term was, but like he would talk about how like this was just because of all these pollutants in the sky. That's why it was that color. It was kind of like, oh, I just kind of ruined that for me. Um, or he would take them to uh, the, I don't know, what is it called? The waste, what was that joint called that we went to? Yeah, it was like the poop factory. It was like uh, when you flush your toilet, this is where all your waste goes. And then they like, like extract the waste from the water. And he wanted them to know, like, not only is this what happens when you flush the toilet, to be mindful of what happens when you flush the toilet, but also that was kept in Camden, right? Like it wasn't kept in some really nice neighborhood or somewhere wealthy. It was like in your neighborhood, this is what happens. This is where they keep literally mountains of human waste and that, that's where it goes. Or the trash incinerator was there. And it wasn't all bad stuff. There was like things he would talk about, like they would find lakes or streams or places that they would explore. And I just think in terms of love, cultural relevancy, it was like, here's your neighborhood. This is what's going on in your neighborhood and around you. And um, I think another way you can do that is by asking people to come in, find speakers that you think you are think are interesting or your students will think will inter are interesting send them a DM, send them an email, send them a Facebook message, and you'd be really surprised who would come in and speak. And it's far more interesting, I think, for students to hear a special speaker come in and talk about something than for just the teacher to talk about it all the time. So whether that's a veterinarian or a local biologist or a food scientist or, you know, I don't know, like someone from a university come in and speak on something could just be really, really fun. Or even better yet, if you could take a trip to wherever they are, see like their laboratory, see what they're doing, see how they're doing it, see how excited they are about what they're doing. I just think that stuff is super fun all the time. We have about three more questions. All right, three questions. And then uh, we're going to call it called night. Um, Meg Wiles is asking, what's your opinion on the popular adage, don't let them see you smile to December? Well, Meg, I would say smile immediately. As soon as they're coming in the door, have a big cheesy grin on your face because why not? I think being, you know, one of my favorite heroes of all time, Patch Adams says, one of the most culturally defiant things we can do is be happy in public. Like, 
I love being happy. I love being, I love smiling. I love hugging kids that don't want to get hugged. I love giving high fives to people. I love playing jokes on kids and like having fun. And that doesn't mean that my classroom is chaotic or maddening or it, it's quite the opposite. The kids know that I love my job and what a better way to show that to them and show them how excited I am to be here by having a big giant smile on my face. And, um, and I think that that stuff's contagious. I think laughter is contagious and I, you don't expect a smile back, but how are your kids ever supposed to be excited about school if you don't show them that you're excited about school? So um, I just think that that is a stupid saying. Who came up with it? Probably Puritans or something like that. Um, <laughs> that makes sense. But go smile your heart out, Meg. Uh, Carla Troshi? I think I said that right. Says, question. Um, I don't that I don't know if this reads exactly right, but I'm gonna I'm gonna just say it and then I'll figure it out. Year my school wanted to reduce hours, or maybe this year my school wanted to reduce hours. I struggled with discipline. It was my first year, and they let me have my original hours. How do I not let it go to my head? Uh, I don't. I don't understand. I don't a hundred percent understand that question, Carla. So what what I don't understand, and if you could just reframe this for me or rephrase this for me real quick, I'll answer it. Um, I don't know what hours are. Is that like your periods or your schedule or something like that? Like you didn't feel like you did well, but like they let you have your original schedule anyway, instead of changing it. So if you can clarify that for me real quick, I'd be more than happy to answer that for you. Uh, Terry Cox is asking, Reynolds, what are your thoughts on a lack of minority teachers in the classroom around the country? Keep it brief, this is a sensitive subject for many. Oh, Terry, I love sensitive subjects. I'm not afraid to speak on them. Um, I have a video, I, I had a really good conversation you could go back and check out. I used to do this thing last summer called Teacher Talk Live, which was similar to this, but I had a guest on. And there's a group of educators on Instagram that I really, really love um, that go by the name Black Girls Teach uh, because they are Black girls that teach. And so they are everything from educators to administrators and, and a number of other things. I think, you know, I, let, let, let me tell it this way. I went out on Friday night with colleagues and to do a meetup for YouTube. One of my favorite students of all time, Akil Danzler, he shows, his mom shows up at uh, the place that we were because she saw it on Instagram and she wanted to show up because I love her. Um, she says that when she first came to my school, it was like she gave my principal who started the same year I did, like essentially just gave him hell because he, she wanted to know where all the black teachers were in the school. And she was, put off by that, that there was like, our school was like minority, or was the majority of the teachers there are young white people. And that troubled her. And, you know, to be honest, it troubles me too, because I think one of the most interesting things that a student can see in school is someone that looks like them being successful. And I, I'm, I want everyone to know that I'm choosing my words very, very carefully. And I don't try and speak out of anything that's trying to hurt anyone. This is just my experience. And through talking to people as much as I have about this topic, this is, this is my take on it. I think in my school where a number of my students, like the majority of my students, do not have a male positive role model around, 
if you can have an older black man or someone that's even old, just older than my students come in and speak about a passion they have, about a job that they do, about something in their life that they love, their family, their craft, their their whatever it is that they have, that somehow shines a mirror to my students to say, I can do this too. Sometimes we need to see someone else do something so that we know we can do it, right? It kind of raises the bar, kind of lets you know in on the secret that like, I can do this too. Like, it doesn't just have to be, I don't have to just do like, go down the path that's that lays before me. That being said, I think it's really interesting, you know, the flip side of that, to have a diverse community of people in your school. Like my school right now, you know, my hallway in front of my room is there's an African-American man, um, a man Hasty teaches right next to me. Um, my friend, Miss Flounders, who is a very pale, red-haired Irish, uh, Irish Catholic woman, teaches across the hall, crushes it all the time. Um, it's And then there are like, my friend, Mr. Alam, who is, I, I don't know what exactly he is. I know he's, his family's from India, but I don't, whatever. I'm from New Jersey. Uh, so I, I like that sort of like that multicultural aspect to the school, because I think it gives the kids like, you know, they we stop using terms like they do this or they do that because they all teach here. So that helps. Um, but I do think, that for any race or culture or ethnicity or religion, seeing people, like having this idea in your head is nice, but seeing someone in front of your face actually doing something that you wanna do has like such a great, great impact, which is why I try and have um, African-American professionals, uh, both men and women come into my room um, as much as I can during the year, because I want that for my boys. You can also check out Peace Love Parker. Uh, oh yeah. And you could also check out my homie Peace Love Parker, who is on Instagram. That's Peace Love Parker on Instagram. That dude is awesome. And very aware he that. is very aware of that. He has really great take on it. And he made a video with me on uh, called Why More Men Should Teach. And his take on that is really, it's beautiful and makes me want to be a better person. Uh, so... So the, oh, this is back to Carla. Your question was, they wanted me to reduce my schedule. It worked out well, but how do I, but how? How do I bounce back from that confidence? Okay, so how do you get your confidence to bounce back and how do you like sort of regain it and get control over your class? Let's, let's do, talk about that. Having confidence in your classroom. I just spit and that was disgusting. Um, one, know that it was your first year and you will get better. I absolutely promise you, if you keep trying to get better, um, don't just think that you suck and that other people are better. Like everyone sucks their first year. And if you don't, like you lucked out and that's awesome. But most of us sucked our first year, at least in retrospect. Like you might not think that you are, were so bad, but you were not as good as you are now. Um, I would, one, start sitting in on as many other teachers' classes as you can. Right. So like find a teacher doesn't have to be the same subject or the same grade. You can start taking ideas from them. Teachers try to recreate the wheel too much. They want to like make brand new lesson plans that no one's ever seen or come up with new tactics or, or strategies in the classroom that no one's ever done before. And that's just such a waste. That's like 
people don't play baseball and come up with a new way to swing the bat all the time. You just like do like you swing the bat, how you swing the bat, you hold your feet the same width apart. Like it doesn't have to be that drastically different, but you can put your own little tweak on it. So if you're pitching a ball for, I don't know, I'm using sports references because I don't watch sports, but like you can hold your stance a little bit different. You can train a little bit different. You can put your own tweak, but start finding teachers in your school that are successful and how they're doing it. And then try and, like emulate some of the ways that they are doing it. The other thing I would say is for me, it always goes back to relationships. And I'm, I'm at this point, people have to be getting tired of me talking about relationships. I just think it's so fascinating that if you get to know your students one-on-one, the drastic effect that that has on so many kids, not all of them, you will still have kids that are jerks at the beginning of the year or at the end of the year that were jerks in the beginning of the year and you can't change it. You're not the one and that's fine. We have to just get over ourselves sometimes and realize that we can't, we literally can't reach every single child. Um, But that doesn't mean we can't help them find someone. So help them find the mentor that they need in their life. But you know, you taking the time out to get to know your students, have lunch with them, sit with them at lunch, meet them in the beginning of the day or after school. And especially the kids that seem unreachable. Don't just go for the easy kids. You have to go find that kid that, like I said before, might look like he's going to cut you if you try and talk to him. But that's just the front. It's, you know, especially kids that have been hardened, kids that have had hard lives. They have this front where they they're not going to let you know that they like you. But like they might secretly like really think you're the greatest teacher they ever had. But like, nope. I'm posted up and I'm I, the front is on and it is, it is, I'm going hard and I'm not going to let you kind of like come at me because I've been hurt before. So I, I think just keep trying and try and find those kids in your class that make the biggest impact sometimes and let them know that you care about them, that you want to teach them and that you are there for them. And that makes all the difference sometimes. Uh, last question. Uh, especially because I'm losing my voice. Jordan Peters says advice for male teachers in elementary versus secondary. Uh, man, um, I would say get a good night's sleep because those kids are on some different level stuff sometimes. And, you know, Jordan, I'd say, I think, I think, to, you know, I think I'm trying to think of how I want to say this and if this is what I want to go with. I think if school was more fun when you were younger, kids would have a better time getting through school when they're older. My kids are in second grade and fourth grade. And my, especially, so my, I know my second graders teacher better and she is lovely. Um, But they're really held to like a strict curriculum that they have to like, it's kind of like scripted out and they need to get through certain amounts of stuff. And there's not a lot of room for fun. If your school allows fun, I know speaking to all of my kids, teachers that they love like more outside time, more kind of like you're doing things that are play, but you're really learning through them. Like this idea that like play and fun doesn't equal learning is like such nonsense when they're young, they should be thrilled about learning. Like they're far more, they're less likely to like um, not like be too cool for something or not be willing to try something or like, you know, taste something or have an adventure. Like I would, if I taught elementary, I would want to be out of the classroom as much as I could. I'd want to be in the woods or on the street or 
planting, not talking about flowers and their parts, but like looking at flowers, dissecting flowers, taking them apart, planting them, watching them grow. Like that's all the stuff that's really, really going to excite kids. And I say that, of course, I, you know, I, I say that as a secondary teacher and not an elementary teacher. So I realize that like, I might be completely talking on my butt here, but like, um, I, I, I love that. And then the only other thing I think I would do is like, take care of myself to the absolute best of my ability. So you can try and match that energy level because I mean, kids are excited, be excited with them, have fun with them, laugh with them, have fun, you know, be pumped up when you walk in because that's going to get kids pumped up about being there. And I just think that that's the best. Um, so this says Travis, Travis Wilbur is asking, how do you find where those types of schools are? What was that? In the when you to said like, um, that you might not be like schools that give more autonomy, like a bit more freedom. Oh, I think, so how do you find schools that give more autonomy so that you can do some of these things? I think that answers a couple of questions is, uh, you interview the school when they are interviewing you, when you go for a job interview, Make sure you read about the school ahead of time. Maybe you can like, um, maybe you have a friend that teaches there. Maybe you have a friend that has a friend that teaches there. But when you go in, have a list of questions for the school also, where they're not just like laying on you and, and digging deep to find out who you are. Like, let them know, like, I'm trying to see if this is the kind of place that I would want to teach. Like, it, it looks like it, but let me ask you a few things about your curriculum or about your classrooms, or do you have block scheduling or regular scheduling or like, how, what's your view on discipline and um, on student achievement and like the things that are important to you? Don't be afraid to ask about those also, or like ask about things like teacher autonomy, meaning like how much freedom do teachers have in the classroom to do what they want or to read what they want or to take trips or whatever it is. That is, if I ever had a job interview again, I think I would spend a good portion of my interview asking those questions as well. So remember, you have power. You are if you're, if you're great and you like, and I, what I mean by that is if you care about your job, if the kids are your heart, if this is your passion, then that school should be damn lucky to have you. So don't be afraid to ask questions of them because you want a good partner, right? Just like, I mean, when you go on a dating, you don't just, I don't, I never dated online, but like if someone sends a picture, if you see, you know, someone wants to go on a date, you don't just go, yep, you chose me. Like we will go on a date. You gotta look them up too. Like see what the bio looks like. See what the picture looks like. See if this looks like a good fit for you. Cause maybe it's not. And you know, that I just compare dating apps to school interviews. Yep. Cause it's kind of the same thing, but don't date people at school. Cause that can get real weird. Um, is that it? We good? Cool. Guys, you're awesome. Please send me your pictures. Send your pictures to dear old Captain Reynolds. Um, in my email, which is realwrapwiththereynolds at gmail.com. And I would love to do that. And if you jumped on here late, anyone that's, that gave money to my man, Damian Sears, for that video I made last week, I truly, truly appreciate it. You are wonderful. And for those of you that are thinking and praying for him, thanks so much too. Um, that's it. I got a video maybe coming out tonight. I'm going to go work on it now. See you then. Peace. Awkward ending. I got to hit this button. And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday Night Teacher Talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, and I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. 
Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great week. Peace.